Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allen at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you're doing well. And uh, yesterday we actually finished with uh, with uh, the eight different methods that God uses to heal the sick, and the, or the eight different uh, methods through which we can minister healing to the sick. Of course, God does other things also, like God can heal people, somebody sovereignly without us being involved. Such things can happen. But I'm talking about the eight different ways of ministering to the sick. And so we've spoken of those eight. And today we are going to get into another side of healing the sick. And we are just going to talk about what do you do when ministering to people? What do you do? when ministering to people. Of course, the simplest thing is like when I'm doing a service, I'm a guest speaker, people come for prayer. I pray for them in the name of Jesus and believe that God has touched them. But there are other, uh, there's another side to it. And that is when you're more involved with people, you're in a place uh, like in your hometown and uh, you, you minister to people, you have more time to be involved with people's lives and you can help them. You know, I'm talking more from that angle uh, about uh, the kind of uh, he, the you know, ministering of healing when you, you can be more involved with people and you can teach them and that kind of thing. But before I go into that, let me tell you a story, a testimony like I've been sharing every day. And this one is from Sweden. Um, this was many years ago. There was uh, the, the Lutheran Cathedral in the city of Luleå. Luleå is in the far north of Sweden. And my wife was born in Luleå in the hospital there, but she grew up in a village about 15 kilometers or 10 miles outside Luleå. And that's where my wife grew up. And uh, incidentally, for those of you who don't know, it is a piece of trivia. Mr. John Nordstrom, the founder of Nordstrom, uh, the department stores, uh, he was my wife's great uncle. And uh, that is my wife's great-grandmother's brother. He came to the U.S. and started the Nordstrom's store. So uh, he was born in the same village where my wife was born. And when he came to Sweden in 1957, he saw my wife as a little baby. Uh, he, he died a few years later. He was 87 years old at that time. But anyway, a little piece of trivia. Uh, but um, anyway, so uh, this happened in Luleå which is just, you know, where, where my wife grew up. It's in the far north of Sweden. And there's a Lutheran cathedral there, big cathedral. And the, uh, the canon of the cathedral, which is the main priest, I think is next to the bishop. He and I became good friends. So he opened the door for me to come and preach in the cathedral. And uh, so I had an open door there. As long as he was there, I had an open door. And so I, I used to do these one night revival type meetings and hundreds of people used to show up and people were saved, healed. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. And so what happened one, one day, I was going to have the crusade and uh, in the morning, uh, yeah, in the morning I was praying. Uh, morning or just after lunchtime, I was praying. I was in prayer for the meeting. And as I was praying, I suddenly saw like a vision. I saw the cathedral that I was standing there in the spot where I would be preaching and I was looking at the building and uh, it was empty uh, there was nobody there just me and I was looking at the you know at the pews and then the Lord said to me uh, the Holy Spirit said to me that right there where there will be sitting a man who has cancer and that thing just disappeared so I said to the Lord I said Lord if this is if, if this is of you 
please speak to me and remind me of this during the meeting. And so I just kept on praying that I forgot all about it. And I actually did. I forgot all about it. So I was preaching and did the altar call. And, and then when I was about to pray for the sick, suddenly I remembered that. And I pointed my hand in the general direction uh, of where the Lord had shown me the man would be sitting. I said, there's a man here. You have been diagnosed with cancer. Please stand up. And immediately right at that spot, there was a, an, a, a, a gentleman sitting there. He stood up. And he came to the front and he said he had lung cancer. I said, wow, so he, that was it. So I laid hands on him, prayed for him. And you know what? God healed the man. And uh, uh, later on, he came to the next meeting I did and testified. He said, I'm completely clear. I've been completely healed. And that man lived for many, many, many years. I didn't have much communicate with him. Sometimes he'd write to me to say hello and to tell me how he was doing because I lived in the south. He loved, lived up in the north. And, and then before he died, I was doing a conference in another town about an hour and a half away. And he actually came there to see me and thanked me for ministering to him. And he died a couple of years later of, I mean, ripe old age. So it's a, it's a wonderful thing when the Lord does that. And if we spend time before the Lord in prayer, God can show us things and he can tell us this is what's going to happen or that is what's going to happen. And I'm the kind of person when I uh, sense these things and sometimes my mind gets in the way uh, and, and, and I say, no, was that me or was that the Lord? So whenever that happens, I, I just say, Lord, OK, fine, I give it back to you. And if this is of you, re remind me. And uh, and then the Lord reminds me. Now, interesting thing is that sometimes God shows me stuff like this when somebody else is ministering, some other minister is ministering. I'm just going to be in the service. And then um, I'm and I say, Lord, if this is you, just remind me. So I'm sitting in the service and suddenly it comes back to me. And this has happened many times. And I've said, Lord, it's not my service. I'm not preaching. I'm not ministering. Could you give this word to the man of God who's preaching? And, you know, within a minute, that man gets the same word. He'll get the same word of knowledge and person will come up, person will be healed. And, you know, it doesn't really matter who is used by God, whether it's you or me or anybody else. The important thing is that God can do what he intends to do and that people are blessed. Amen. Well, anyway, uh, today I'm going to talk about how to actually minister to the sick. The first thing you do is preach the word. And... Uh, let people see Jesus and implant faith. Now, when I say preach the word, I'm not just talking about head knowledge, you know, principles and precepts, because uh, you can you can do that and just talk, you know. But uh, what I'm saying is that your your intent with preaching the word should be two things. Firstly, that the Holy Spirit should impart faith into their hearts, because Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when God does something through the preaching of the word, he will always do that which you intend, which you intend in your heart, whatever is the intent of your heart. So when I, uh, I preach the word, I always say, Lord, I just ask you for two things. Firstly, that these people see Jesus, that they see, that they see beyond just the doctrine that I'm trying to teach them or beyond just the principles, but they can actually see Jesus because the written word is really the expression of the living word. Jesus Christ is the living word. So in the Gospel of John, when it says, in the beginning was the word 
and the word was with God and the word was God. He's actually talking about Jesus, not the written word. So in the beginning was the living word, Jesus, and the word was with God and the word was God. So the living word was first and the written word came after that. And the written word came from the heart of the living word. So the written word actually reveals the living word to us. So that should be uh, the, the, the purpose of preaching the written word, the logos, that it gives people a revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for them. So uh, preach the word with the intent and just pray, Lord, let this person see Jesus. Let this person get a revelation in his heart of what Christ has done for him. And secondly, use that father to implant faith in his heart. Because when you preach the word, if people can get faith in their heart, then you know God is going to do miracles in their lives. So that's the first thing. Preach the word. In fact, we should be totally dependent upon the preaching of the word. You never pray for the sake because you say, well, I have a track record of getting people healed. People get healed through my ministry. You can't base uh, ministering to the sake on the basis of the results that you have had or how successful you are in preaching, praying for the sake, or that you feel you have a special anointing for praying to the sake. You never base on those things. You always base on the preaching of the word alone and the word gets the job done. And then the Holy Spirit and the anointing come in after that and, 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 and kind of hold it up. But the important thing, the foundational thing is that you and I, we share the word of God with others. And that is why as believers, and I'm not just speaking as a preacher, but all of us, whether we are preachers or we are lay people, all of us should have a working knowledge of the word of God. We should be able to communicate life and truth and faith to people. We should all be students of the word of God. Okay. Uh, secondly, be open to the flow of the spirit. When you preach the word, Always be very aware of the Holy Spirit and of his presence and of his ministry because the Holy Spirit is, is the ultimate minister who gets the job done. Amen. Because, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the Bible says, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So we must be utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You should always pray, Holy Spirit, I'm dependent upon you. I ask you to come and move and, and do your way. And I open myself to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want you to come. And then when you do that, when you make way for the Holy Spirit, you give him room and open the door for him and you welcome him. He will always come and the flow will be there. Now, so when the flow of the Holy Spirit is there, that's when the gifts of the Holy Spirit come and can come into function and, and he can show you this is what is happening. This is what you pray for and, and this is this situation and, and, and it can sometimes even reveal you condition in the person's soul that can be blockages for that person uh, from receiving from the Lord, give you words of knowledge of existing condition and parts of the body that are injured or that are sick. So all this comes in through the Holy Spirit and you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm, I must say that in the beginning, when you when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, uh, the more you make room for the Holy Spirit after that, the more you will see the Holy Spirit begins to work through your ministry, if you understand what I mean. And as the Holy Spirit moves more and more, you will develop, I don't know how to say it right, but let me put it this way. You will develop, and excuse the expression, a kind of familiarity 
with the Holy Spirit, a kind of familiarity with the way he moves in you because he moves in different ways to different people. The same gift of the Holy Spirit can operate in different ways to different people. And there's a unique way in which the Holy Spirit speaks to you or speaks to, uh, you know, through you or to you. And so what happens is that as the more you learn to flow with the Holy Spirit, the more the Holy Spirit shows you things and you are quick to obey the Holy Spirit, the more you get sensitive uh, uh, to him and, and you can feel the slightest whiff that he's about, he's about to move now. And then you develop a familiarity. So sometimes even before you minister, you know, you know, you get that feeling that, okay, the Holy Spirit is going to move now. And then he begins to show you things and you 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 speak out boldly and uh, and in the beginning uh, you you you'll make mistakes and that's okay that's okay it was just a mistake but then you you develop that sensitivity to the flow of the Holy Spirit and as you do that your dependence upon Him grows and you will see greater and greater results and that's how you grow and you learn more to flow in the gifts of the Spirit so first of all you preach the word with the intent to impart faith and let the people see Jesus and secondly you're open to uh, the flow of the Holy Spirit now thirdly when you're ministering to the sick sometimes the Lord can show you that it is not a disease but it is a spirit of infirmity sometimes I'm not saying everybody who is sick has a spirit of infirmity you remember uh, when Jesus prayed for the woman who was who was bent over and, you know, and, that, and, the, and the ruler of the synagogue got angry because Jesus had healed that woman on the Sabbath day. Well, she was bent over, she was bowed over, and she had a spirit of infirmity. And in that case, Jesus didn't pray for her healing. He didn't tell her that your faith has healed you, but he actually cast the devil of infirmity out of her and he, and he said so. This woman was bound with the spirit of infirmity. So, but only the Holy Spirit can show you that. That is nothing you can, you can, uh, how do you say, you, you can just make up, you know, it's nothing that you can just speculate and say, or say everybody in that condition has a spirit of infirmity. It's not so. Sometimes, like for example, I pray a lot of for, lot for those who are deaf. And many times it's a deaf spirit. But many times it is not. Many times they need a creative miracle. And uh, you know, a, a, a eardrum is missing or the inner ear is missing. And it's a, they need a creative miracle. So you pray for that. And sometimes it's just a sickness or whatever. It's some kind of disease because of which they are deaf. And at times it's a deaf spirit. And if it is a deaf spirit, you can just cast it out. So it's good to know, be sensitive to the spirit. Now, but if the Holy Spirit shows you that it's a deaf spirit, you cast it out. Now, secondly, is when you pray, you pray in faith and not if it be thy will. Because if you lay your hands on a sick person and say, Father, if it is your will, heal this person. What you're actually saying, Father, I don't know if it is your will to heal this person or not, but if it is your will, heal that person. You get what I mean? Now, when you do that, you're revealing that you don't know the Father's will and you cannot have faith when you don't know God's will. Faith begins when the will of God is known. So that's why you pray in faith. Now, you don't pray in hope. There's a difference between hope and faith. Hope is always looking to the future. But faith is now. But we'll talk more about that in a, in a later lesson. It is important for us to know the difference between 
hope and faith. So you don't say, oh, Father, heal this person. If it be that I will heal that person. And then you say, well, I hope God heard that. That's not faith. It is the prayer of faith that heals the sick. It is not the prayer of hope that heals the sick. It is not a kind of lottery type of prayer in which you throw the prayer up and see what God does. I don't really know. That is not faith. Faith is assurance. Faith is conviction. Faith is knowing that Jesus has borne this person's disease and by his stripes he's healed. So Father, you have borne this person's disease, so I'm now praying for him in accordance with your will. Now that is that is faith. So pray in faith and don't pray if it be thy will. If it be thy will is a prayer of consecration and Jesus prayed that prayer only once and that was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane consecrating himself. Jesus never prayed that prayer when he was healing somebody. Anyway, and, uh, and James said, the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. Thirdly, pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. That's what Jesus told us. He said, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he shall give it to you. So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. That's Jesus. Anytime Jesus told us to pray for something or how to pray, uh, when they said, Lord, teach us how to pray, Jesus told us, he said, address the Father. He said, our Father which art in heaven. So then he said, if you need anything, ask the Father in my name and he will give it to you. So remember, there's a protocol with you by which you uh, approach the throne of grace. And that is you approach the Father in the name of Jesus. So that is the, uh, you know, that, that, that's another thing to remember. Now, number four is to follow up whenever possible. When you prayed for somebody, especially if you live in town or or nearby and you, you can have contact with that person. It's different when you're a guest speaker. You cannot do that. I, I never do that. I, I let the pastors do that. But when I am, um, I am um, kind of in, you know, for example, where I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, sometimes there's people in my church or people who are related to friends of mine that do, they ask me to come and pray for them. So I have time. I go and I, then I follow up. I call them and I ask them, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And sometimes, you know, uh, they will say, uh, well, you know, I feel a little bit better. Then I try to teach them and encourage them and teach them how to stand and in, in the in the bit of healing they have received and how that can grow and, and, and how they move forward in faith, taking hold of what God has for them. I've had to do that with people and just spend time with them and talk to them and pray with them and explain to them. Tell them that God is working in your body right now. So let's be full of thanksgiving. Let's not doubt. Let's just believe God. Let's start thanking God and praising God and not wondering what, what has happened because God is working in your body. And then I show them how the scripture says that when a sower sows the seed, this is how the kingdom of God works because when he rises or sleeps, it's in Mark chapter 4, where there rises or sleeps, the seed by itself grows and it begins to grow. And first this little shoot appears out of the ground, then it's a stalk, and then it grows into a, an ear of corn, you know, a full corn in the ear. So I said that you don't know whether you rise or you sleep or whatever, but the thing is that because we prayed, God is working in your body, you are carrying a miracle inside you. You know, I teach them, you you go to help those who need help. Many don't need help, they get instantly healed. So you tell them, okay, now you have been healed, stay in church and stay close to Jesus, just be 
thankful, you know, I tell them that, but when people have only partially healed or they're on the way, I try to tell them, I teach them, I find out where they're at and stand with them and give them teaching aids. Sometimes they would need a CD or they need uh, anything to help them and give them a book, give them a teach teaching aid, call them. So take an interest in people's lives because for you and me, it can be a matter of spending a little bit of time, but for them, it's big. For a person who's sick, his problem is a huge problem. So do take time with people to help them. Okay, uh, so now, now I want to go into another thing, which is ministering to the suffering. This is people who, who are going through deep suffering how do you minister to people who are suffering? Now, the fundamental thought when you're ministering to the suffering is to remember the kindness and the gentleness of Jesus. Don't be brash with people. Remember that. Some people think it's cool to be brash. Don't be brash with people. But some people, they, I mean, you know, they need infinite gentleness and tenderness. Just imagine how Jesus would do if he was with them, if how he would minister to them and, and do that. So the fundamental thought is to remember the kindness and the gentleness of Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, remember this. This is what the Lord Jesus said. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, let, let, let me just say this. Faith is important, but some people, you know, the way they teach faith. Let me say this. Faith is important, but faith is supposed to make it easy for people to receive. Let me say that again. Faith is supposed to make it easy for people to receive. Why? Because faith reveals the grace of God. Faith reveals the mercy of God. But many people, they understand faith as, uh, they, or I should say they present faith as a series of spiritual gymnastics, which are for the, uh, for the, uh, Christians who hold black belts in Christianity, if you know what I mean. They're like black belts in Christianity. They're experts in faith. And they say, well, you have to do this and you have to be careful what you say and you have to be careful what you do. Oh, you made a bad confession there. So the whole prayer you prayed before, all the faith you are standing on, that is destroyed. You have to start all over again. Make sure of your confession. You know, people, what, so what they do is what they call faith actually ends up becoming works because suddenly everything that God does in your life, it depends not upon the goodness of God, but it depends upon you. You have to do this mental and spiritual gymnastics. And if you ever slip up, you will not get healed and you, it's going to be your fault. I've heard people say that, well, you didn't get healed. It's your fault because you believed wrong. You said wrong. That is not faith. That is not how Jesus deals with people. Look what he says. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When you come to Jesus, he doesn't put a heavy burden on you. He gives you rest. Faith is supposed to give you a revelation of Jesus and a revelation of what Jesus Christ has done for you. 
That is what faith is. Faith, that's the revelation faith gives you. Faith should never make it difficult for you to receive from God. Faith should make it easy. Because if it is not easy, but it makes difficult, what people call faith is not faith, but it's works. And if it's works, it's not faith. Anyway, but we'll go more into that later. So then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me because I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus said, come to me, learn of me, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. So another thing about faith, faith is actually coming to Jesus, entering into fellowship with Jesus, not looking at Jesus distantly and then Jesus is up there twiddling his thumbs and then you are trying to climb up this mountain to impress him with your faith and when you have impressed him with your faith, he gives you your diploma which is your healing. No, 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 that's not faith, that's works. What faith is, Jesus said, come to me, Come to me, take my yoke upon you and learn of me because I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. Hallelujah. Then he says, for my yoke is easy. The yoke that Jesus puts upon you is not burdensome, but it is easy. And my burden is light. The burden that Jesus puts on you is light. So we have to understand faith that way. And the only way you can understand faith that way is if you understood grace. If you understood grace, you will understand faith. But, but, but if you don't understand grace, you, you will understand faith in a way that the faith you call faith is not faith, it's actually works. And, uh, but we will, we will talk about that in a later subject. We'll talk about grace and faith and the interaction, the interconnection of grace and faith. But anyway, remember the kindness and the gentleness of Jesus. So when you minister to people, remember that, that you are representing Jesus Christ. And what he says to people is, come unto me, all you who labor and are working and are heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Matthew 12, 20, it talks about Jesus. He says, a bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. It's, it's more clear in the Swedish Bible uh, what it actually means that you have a reed. Uh, you know, a reed is a, is, a, is a long blade of stalk of grass growing in, in the water, in the marshes. It's the one that is bruised or weak, he will not break. A, or a smoking flax, that means a smoking witch, wick, wick, sorry, shall he not quench. So if you have a candle with a wick that is barely smoking, he will not come and quench it. So if you are weak in your faith, Jesus doesn't want to come and kill whatever thing, little faith you have, you know. He doesn't want to stamp on your little, you know, smoking wick and say, ah, you're nothing, you have no faith, and he won't do that. God wants to help you. He wants to come alongside you and lift you up and impart faith to you through his word and make you strong and so that you can see Jesus and take hold of what he has for you. So this is going to be interesting. We'll talk more about this, but this is the fundamental thought, the fundamental thing you have to keep in mind when you're ministering to the suffering. You have to remember that. So, but let's pray now and we will... We will continue more tomorrow. Father, in the name of Jesus, I 
Thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for their lives and for the thing that you are doing in their lives. Thank you for their families. Father, you said you shall bless our food and our water and turn every sickness away from us. And therefore, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, I curse every spirit of disease and infirmity. I bind you and break your power in the name of Jesus. Father, I speak life and strength and blessing upon them. I thank you, Father, that let your word continue to work and impart your faith and impart life and love and peace and healing and restoration to every life in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it. God bless you.